All right. Um, I'm excited to be with you guys. If I can hold on to that pen. Uh, I get the opportunity. My name is Dave, and I'm uh, 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 one of the other pastors here. And I'm a father here, so I'm going to try not to be biased to red or green tonight. And uh, I wore blue, so I'm more biased, I guess, maybe to blue. But um, because Clayton did represent blue well tonight. Uh, but I get the opportunity to finish up the catechism, to ask the last, last five questions, the times when I've been in here and seen you guys uh, engage with this. It's been a lot of fun to see you, uh, you know, just memorizing stuff and uh, engaging with this. When I was a kid, I didn't have a youth group like this to go to, and I'm grateful that you do, and I pray that you would invite your friends. And uh, I didn't have student-led worship. I didn't have leaders that loved me like this and uh, created a place for me to uh, to, to explore who Jesus was and how that impacted my life. So I'm grateful that you do, and I pray that you're inviting your friends and helping them to be a part of it. So, ready to tackle the last five questions? If I mess up this light thing, who'd we leave, who'd we leave off with last week? Red. So that means red is up. Means Leaders, that means yellow is up. Yeah, I'm a rookie, so like that. Red. It's red. This is what it's like to lead a group of people. La, 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 la. Who's the Who's my vice president out there? Who is going to be the final say? What color is it? It's red. We're going with red. Thus saith the person on stage. We're going with red. So, um, what's the church? Okay, we'll put your papers away, cheaters. What do you? Sorry, I just thought that was assumed that we were integrity and um, honorable. Um, sorry, let's put our papers away. That's fine. You had it in your notes. I just. I thought by week seven we'd have that down, huh? Okay. Were you looking at your sheet before? Okay. Ready? Aaron's first. Sorry, Lydia. So who who gets it? Here. Okay, we're gonna go with um Aaron. So, uh, what is the church, Aaron Lehman? A community elected for eternal life and united under faith who love, follow, and learn from and worship God together. So how like ninety nine point nine percent accurate? Good enough. Okay, have a seat, Aaron. So, yes, do we need a microphone person? That'll be better for the podcast. Milk duds work out for you? You going to get over there? Oh, it is? Okay, what you got? Lydia. A community 
elected for eternal life, united by faith, who love, serve, follow, and learn from <laughs> no, nope. those were good additions, but that, um, hold the mic. A community united by faith. Okay, there's too many words in my head, I can't think. Um, a community. United for eternal life, united by faith, who love, who love. Okay, <laughs> blue, you got a shot? All right. Okay, let's go back to green. It's a community elected for eternal life, uh, united by faith, who love, follow, and who love, follow, and learn from and worship God together. Good, great. No, it wasn't what you said the first time. It wasn't. You slipped in under somehow. Another preposition in there. Which it's a good addition, like serve was a good addition, but no. Okay, so um, somebody have the verse for this one? Yes. Second, oh, I'll tell you the verse, sorry. Second, Second Thessalonians uh, 2.13. But we all to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as first fruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the, of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. Nice. Good job. <clears throat> All right. So the church is, uh, is not a building. The church is people. Uh, specifically, the church is made up of people who've been saved and redeemed by Jesus. The Bible speaks, that, speaks of that apart from Christ, uh, that we have, if we have not received Him into our lives, that we have, if we have not confessed Him as Lord and Savior of our lives, we stand separated from, uh, from our Creator, from God. And as a result, we're spiritual orphans. We're lost. We're in the dark. But then the good news of Jesus enters that story, and Jesus has come to rescue us from our sin. When we place our faith and trust completely in Christ, when we believe on Jesus' name to save us, we are adopted into the family of God. I have one sister in my immediate family. She's four years older than me. But now in Christ... I have lots of brothers and sisters, many of you uh, being that, but brothers and sisters in the family of God. I'm no longer an orphan now, but I'm a son. Uh, for you, if, you've, uh, if you're in Christ, you're, a, you're not just a, uh, a person, you're not just a created being, but you're a son or daughter of the King of Kings, uh, that means Jesus. So uh, when Jesus not only makes us family then, uh, where we live life together, encouraging, uh, praying for, serving one another, loving one another, but then Jesus sends us out as a church, the family of God, on a mission to take the good news of Jesus to the world. The mission starts with those closest to you, those with lockers next to you, next to you those who, who you live with, those siblings that uh, get on your nerves sometimes, those parents who uh, sometimes uh, get on your nerves as well, sometimes the people that sit with you at lunch, the people that are in your class. It starts with those people closest to you, and then it goes to the ends of the earth. It goes to the very ends of the earth. 
Think about this. The Christian faith did not start in Woodford County. Uh, it didn't start in Eureka. Uh, Christianity is not an American faith. It began in the Middle East where Jesus lived and walked. And we sit here in 2014 as a result of generations that have taken the good news and shared it and proclaimed it, if you will, to people around them. And now we are to carry on that same mission uh, here in 2014 with those closest to us. So we follow Jesus together as family. We get sent out by Jesus uh, together as a family. So speaking of Jesus, where is Christ now? Doctor? Hang on, hang, hang on. Christ rose bodily from the grave on the third day after his death and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Nice job. All right, so Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. God's electric power company. God's electric. Ephesians 1, 19 through 21. And his incomparable great power for us who believe. The mighty power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms. Another one, 21, you said? 19 through 21. Okay, far above all rule and authority, power and domination, every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Good job. So uh, let's watch this video. No doubt you've heard the phrase, out of sight, out of mind. That someone who's not around, who you haven't seen in a long time, doesn't have much impact or relevance in your day-to-day -day life. The Bible tells us that after Jesus' resurrection, he ascended into heaven, disappearing from view, out of sight. But we're also told that because of where he now resides, we can be assured that he's very relevant in our daily lives. So where is Jesus now? He's seated at the right hand of God the Father. But what difference does that make to us in our day-to-day -day lives? Well, first, it reminds us that Jesus rules over all creation. Psalm 110 paints this beautiful picture where all of God's enemies are a footstool of Jesus as he sits at the Father's right hand. Can you see the comfort of that in your daily life? When you're struggling with discouragement or disappointment or even bitterness about the way your life is going? Or when you're discouraged and angry at all the injustice and evil in the world and like David in Psalm 37, you're tempted to say, why do the wicked seem to flourish? In those moments, consider where Jesus is now. He's at the right hand of God the Father. See him there. Enemies his footstool. The one who conquered death is now ruling the world. And we're told in Ephesians 1 that Jesus was given all authority and will one day return and make the crooked places straight. So let where Jesus is now give you hope and courage to trust and follow him the one whose enemies are already his footstool. But there's even more. Not only is Jesus the king who rules, but he is the priest who intercedes. Hebrews 10 tells us that Jesus is the great high priest who on the cross offered himself as the ultimate sacrifice for sin. And he is now interceding and praying for us at the Father's right hand. He is our advocate in every sense of that word. So to see Jesus at God's right hand as our high priest is to remember that there is no condemnation for our sin, that Jesus sacrificed himself so that we could be united with him. We have the full rights, therefore, as God's children. So yes, Jesus is out of sight. We can't physically see him, but he is active in our day-to-day -day lives. And in this world, at the right hand of God the Father, ruling as our king, 
interceding as our priest and waiting to return when he will wipe away every tear, beat sores into plowshares, and flood the world with his glory and grace. All right, so Jesus is no longer on a cross. He's no longer uh, in a tomb buried. He's alive and ruling over all of us. Uh, when, when he says that he's interceding, means he's, he's praying for us. In John 17, it records Jesus praying for us. And, uh, and how encouraging it is for me to know that, that the King of Kings, the King of the universe, is praying for you and I. He's praying that our love for him and others would increase, uh, that we would be changed and transformed by the words of the Bible, the words of the Bible that are true and that uh, change us, transform us, that we would not be divided or, or that the, the conflict between us would be uh, instead uh, resolved and we would be unified. He's praying that we would live our lives in such a way that we would reflect Him to the world around us, that we would glorify Him that w- with the words we say, with the thoughts we think, with the actions that we have with our hands and feet, with all of that, that we would be growing Uh, in our reflection of his love, his grace, his truth to the world around us. Because one day Jesus will return and it won't be as a baby that we celebrate at Christmas, but instead it will be as a conquering king. So knowing that Jesus is ruling over everything, that he's praying for us, that one day is returning, is why we want to live our lives in a manner worthy of him. Be encouraged that on your hard days that he's praying for you. On your, uh, I wonder if this is going to get better, that he's praying for you. Uh, on those days where you feel like uh, the devil might be winning, that Jesus is still reigning, that he's still ruling, and all his enemies are under his, are under his feet, and one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that uh, Jesus Christ is Lord. We have a footstool in our, in our front room, and that footstool is intended for, um, it's, it's low, and it's literally, I just, we put our feet up on it, and to imagine that um, the enemies of God end up being a footstool underneath um, Christ's feet uh, gives me great encouragement, great, great confidence that that King of Kings is praying for me and he's praying for you. So uh, what does Christ's resurrection mean for us? Trista, yeah. Oh, it's not yours. Christ is, I don't know if this is it. Now advocating on our behalf in the presence of his Father and also sends us his Spirit. Close, but different question. Ready. You're ready for when that one comes up. Anybody? What does Christ's resurrection mean for us? Hello, yellow. (laughs) Moving on. Blue. Moving on. Seven seconds is what a teacher waits for, I think. What you got, green? Green. 
Any takers? All right, so here you go. Christ's triumph over sin and death so that all who trust in Him are raised to new life in this world and to everlasting life in the world to come. So the verse for that that, um, that they have is 1 Thessalonians 4, 13, and 14. Hunter. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. Nice job. So the resurrection of Christ means this life is not the end, that this is not the end, that Christianity is not just for the life here and now, but it's, it's also about the life to come. That we will all be resurrected. That's, that's not the question. The question is, what will, be, what will we be resurrected to? Will we be resurrected to life in heaven or death in hell? This is why Jesus came. To offer us salvation from that death so that we would, uh, so when we place our faith and trust in Christ, we can be assured that this life is not the end nor the best life that we will have here on this earth. Instead, for those whose faith is in Jesus, the best life is the eternal life found in heaven in the presence of God. Imagine a really, really long string that stretched across this room, and let's say it went out these doors and continued to stretch to the point where you, you really couldn't see the end of it. And imagine that string represents eternity. That ultimately, in, a, in eternity, this is where the analogy breaks down, is that uh, with that string, let's, I mean, there's a beginning and an end, but with eternity, there is no beginning or end. It just continues to stretch and stretch and stretch. And then imagine if I took a Sharpie marker and I just put a, like a little mark right here in the midst of that really, really long string. Well, that tiny little mark would represent our lives compared to uh, the vastness of eternity. So, yes, the Bible speaks to this life, this small little mark in light of eternity. It most certainly does and calls us to live a certain way. But it also speaks to the life to come, uh, the, the, beginning, the, the, the time frame that has no beginning or end. And we're called to live in light of or constantly aware of that this life is but a tiny little mark. This life is but a breath, is what the Scripture would say, uh, compared to the life that comes that never, never ends. So for those who trust in Christ, we have this daily, we have this living hope, is what First Peter would say. We have this living hope because Jesus rose from the dead on the third day. So um, following his resurrection, uh, something happened uh, after that. So of what advantage to us is Christ's ascension? Hunter. Christ is an advocate for us through the presence of... no. In the presence of his father and sends us his spirit. Something like that. Something like that, but not that. Yeah. <laughs> Christ is now advocating on our behalf in the presence of his father and sends us his spirit. No. 
Those are all great truths, but not that one. Oops. Yeller. <laughs> sure. Christ is advocating for us in the presence of God in the right hand, seated at the right hand of God, and sends us his spirit. No. Team Blue. Go for it. What's that? Oh. See, you have an advocate back there. So Tristan is Tristan's right. I clearly don't know how to copy and paste. Okay. Okay, so red gets the points. Romans 8.34. Who then will condemn us? No one for Christ. Jesus died for us and was raised to live for us. And he is sitting in the place of honor at God's right hand, pleading for us. Good job. So let's uh, watch this video. Not long ago, I took my kids to a donut shop, and they were given these balloons. And when we walked outside, they immediately let them float up into the sky. And we, we just stood there watching these balloons just get smaller and smaller and smaller in the air. And I remember thinking, this must have been what it was like for the disciples when they stood there that day and Jesus ascended into heaven. And, and they must have just been stupefied at the reality that, that he was really going away and that he was going up into heaven. And in fact, Acts tells us that they just stood there for a long time until an angel had to come and say, okay, move along. He's going to return one day. Go, go about your business now. You know, it must have been hard for them to believe what Jesus had said, that it was actually for their good that he was going away. You know, whenever I, I read that in the Gospel of John, I, I want to argue, like, can it really be better for Jesus to go away, to ascend into heaven? But it really is. Think about this. In the place of, of greatest power, we have the best possible advocate for us. You know, I live near Washington, D.C., and in Washington, D.C., lobbyists are sent from all over the world representing different companies, different interests, and they're there because these companies want someone to, to speak for them, to advocate for them and their cause. Well, the throne room of God is the, is the greatest possible place of power. And, and think about this. The advocate that you have because of your faith in Jesus Christ is none other than the Son of God who has perfectly pleased God, who has the, the name that is above all names. Isn't that encouraging that we have Jesus there for us? And he's ascended into heaven to prepare a place for us and he sent his Holy Spirit. You know, we, we never have to be 
alone, no matter where we are on this planet, God's Holy Spirit is dwelling in our hearts, comforting us, giving us courage, convincing us of the love of God. These are the wonderful benefits we receive because Jesus has ascended to heaven. And so we can sing the words of the song that says, before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. All right, in the place of greatest power, we have, we have the greatest advocate. Jesus speaks on our defense. Um, Van spoke on Tristan's defense right there. Uh, when, I, when, I said, when I said, Tristan, you're wrong, he had an advocate back there that said, no, 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 he's right. And the reality is, is we have that spiritually. When the devil says, no, you're wrong, or boy, look what you've done, or look what mess you've made, or well, you really sinned right there, and, and the devil brings those accusations and, and condemnations before God the Father, uh, God the Son is our advocate, and he is our defense. And so he stands up, and he says, no, 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 that, that student in Washington, that student in Eureka, Roanoke, wherever you go to school, and no, that student, no, they, they, they put their faith and trust in me. So that's, that's my son, that's my daughter. And that's my, that, that, that person is covered in my righteousness and covered in my blood. So that, that uh, accusation no longer sticks. It no longer has any staying power for your heart. Um, and so then knowing that Jesus rose from the dead, we as believers are given the Holy Spirit then to give us power, give us conviction, strength, the desire, the actual desire to want to change, the desire to want to obey God. And it also reminds us that uh, knowing that Jesus ascended is that you're not alone. God's presence is, is now always with you because the Holy Spirit has been poured out and given in place of Jesus Christ. So, what hope does everlasting... Microphone's right near you. So what the question is... Oh, sorry. You got overruled by the peanut gallery. What hope does everlasting life hold for us? Whoever's going to be right, or together. Do it in unison. Fire away. Enjoy God forever in the new heaven and the new earth. Will we, well, where we will be forever freed from all sin in a renewed, restored creation. Nice job. <laughs> Revelation 21, 1 through 4. Twenty-one, one through 4. Lexi. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I, the holy city and new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. 
He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Good job. All right, uh, Jonathan Edwards, a pastor and a theologian, said this about the beauty of heaven. The most stately cities on earth. You ever been to uh, New York, wa- uh, Washington, D.C., uh, Chicago, uh, just uh, cities like that. The most stately cities on earth. However magnificent their buildings, yet they have their foundations in the dust, their streets dirty and defiled. They're made to be trodden over, uh, over foot. But the very streets of this heavenly city are of pure gold, like unto transparent glass, and its foundations are precious stones, and its gates are pearls. I can't even get my head around that. I've seen, I've seen oceans. Uh, I've seen the Pacific. I've seen the Atlantic. I've seen the Gulf of Mexico. I've seen the Rocky Mountains multiple times, the uh, Appalachian Mountains. I've seen beautiful things in God's creation, and yet I can't get my head around uh, the beauty of heaven. See, the Bible begins with a perfect garden, a perfect garden perfect relationships between one another in the human race as well as a perfect relationship between us and God. Creation is in harmony. It's in harmony. There's no death, no disease, no sickness, no tears, no loneliness, no anger, no hate, no rebellion, no pride, no broken down bodies, no aches or bones, uh, aches of muscles or aches of bones. Like when I wake up out of bed, I haven't pulled something somehow sleeping there. There's none of that anymore. But then the fall happens in Genesis 3, and sin enters this world, and as a result, everything is broken. Everything is groaning, everything is creaking and groaning and aching in this creation. Our bodies are as well as God's creation. But then the Bible lands back in the end, no longer a perfect garden, but now a perfect city, a perfect city that is to come. That's what Revelation 21 tells us about, a perfect garden ends up with a perfect city. God's creation restored back to its original design the way God intended it to impact the way God intended it to be designed without the impact, without the influence, without the infiltration of sin. It's harmony again. God's people again in harmony with one another, God's people uh, in perfect harmony with God himself. So despite what you may experience here on this earth, whether that's sickness or hurt, or loss, or death, or loneliness, despite all of that, for those who trust in Jesus, we can be, we can be assured that the story doesn't end that way, that Revelation 21 is true, and a new city is coming, and we have a living hope as a result of that. So we have time for you to uh, group up in your teams, for you to come up with one big statement that summarizes those last five questions, if you will. We'll give points to the best one. All right. So you got like, uh, let's go five, five minutes. Okay. Uh, pick out somebody from your team. Yes, have, a, have your representative from your team come on up onto the stage. Come up here. Come up here. 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 
Okay, so um, people in yellow back there, you are, you're the judges. We'll just go one, two, three, four. You think about which, you listen to all four and which one you like the best. She hasn't memorized, so that's extra. Go ahead. Jesus Christ advocates the church because he died for our sins and sits at God's right hand. Kind of long. United by faith, the church worships Christ who triumphed over sin and death, sits at the right hand of the Father, where we are now forever freed from all sin in a renewed, restored creation. After Christ's ascension, he took his place at the right hand of the Father, and he is seated there as our advocate in the presence of God, and he will return in his glory to bring all true believers up to heaven with him. Jesus is our advocate. He died for us, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God. And we know that he is going to come back for us so we can spend eternity with him. So, um, okay, leaders, raise your hand. We'll just go, we'll work from red, left to right. You're left to right. If you liked red, raise your hand. Good effort. Good effort, red. Let's move on to green. Let's move on to green. That's, you're not leaders. Well, you're leaders at your age. We're talking about leaders who can vote. Yes. Yes. Rereading. Uh, okay. After Christ's ascension, he took his place at the right hand of the Father, and he is seated there as our advocate in the presence of God, and he will return in his glory to bring all true believers up to heaven with him. Jesus is our advocate. He died for us, rose from the grave, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God. And we know that he is going to come back for us so we can spend eternity with him. All right. Are there any votes for green? No. Okay. So we've narrowed it. Rate. No, red didn't get any votes either. Um, if, you, if you like blue, raise your hand. Okay? If you, if you like yellow, raise your hand. Wait. The, the, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. Because the analytical ones were still talking. Um, any red votes? Sorry, red, we had to do that again to you. Um, any green votes? The amplified version? Come on, that was awesome. Um, what about the blue team? Oh. Any yellow? Blue is the winner. Huh? 
Once she mentioned those two words, I thought, I know who's going to vote for that one back there. I know whose hand is going up for that. All right. Um, well, we'll see if they like, like mine. Anna? Hang on just a second. Leader follower. Okay. Um, here, here's my big, big idea statement, which is um, really long, but that, that tends to be my, my MO. So as God's children, I'm sorry, as God's people, we are sent out to proclaim the gospel, which frankly I like and <clears throat> nobody included. Um, knowing Jesus is ruling, interceding, and one day is returning because of Jesus' resurrection, for those who trust in Christ, we know that we too will be resurrected and an eternal home is being prepared for us. And until that day, Jesus is our living hope because this world is not our own. So uh, that's mine. Um, if you have, thank you. You don't get points for liking mine. Um, if you have last week's summary statement memorized, have a seat, have a seat, have a seat. If you... If you have it memorized, stand up. Okay, we'll give, if you both have it, we'll give uh, points to you both. Lexi, you're up first. And I have no idea what the answer is, so somebody back there better check it. <laughs> Hang on. By God's own love and grace, He offers us salvation through the work of his son and the um, through the work of the his son and the gift of the Holy Spirit he gives us faith to believe and the freedom to love him obey him and confidently approach him in prayer nice job We're, Lexi, we're still going to give you points because that's impressive. Okay, Aaron. I was scared there for a second. Okay, let's hear it. Reading the word, taking communion, getting baptized don't save us, but I'll give testimony of the salvation through Jesus Christ alone, and all three practices will be found in the life of a believer. Van, you good? All right, so we'll give, um, let's see, who got uh, 3,000 points for you guys because you had the best summary statement, right? And then uh, we'll do 3,000 for you guys and 3,000 for Lexi because that was good effort. Good job. All right, hey, everybody say thanks, Pastor Dave. Thanks.